Welcome to Hillside's Equipping Podcast. My name is Belinda Dunn, and I'm the Equip Lead here at the church. This year, we'll be reading through six books of the New Testament, which move God's story of redemption forward. Please join us each month as our leaders discuss one of these books. Hello, and welcome to the next edition of the Equipping Podcast at Hillside Fellowship. Today we're discussing the second half of Matthew 14 through 28, and I know many of you have already listened to the first portion of this and enjoyed the chapters 1 through 13. Today I'm with J.B. Clarkson, and we are both lay leaders at Hillside Fellowship, and my name is Tom Tobin. I teach in the men's ministry through the Bible study on Wednesday mornings, and I've had the opportunity to go through a few podcasts as well. J.B., how about yourself? Hello, and I'm J.B. Clarkson, and I'm the Equip Team intern, and I'm also one of the lay leaders in the men's ministry on Sunday morning. And my wife and I have been longtime members of Hillside. Yeah, thank you. And it, it's I'm, I'm excited to get started with you. Like I said, when I met you, I, uh, I had heard a lot about you from people that had not yet met you. So... <laughs> Your reputation precedes you, and it, and it's you know people are talking very nicely about you behind your back. So I was excited to be able to do the podcast with you. So uh, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. So um, as everybody knows, we've um, we're going through the second half of Matthew. I don't know about you, but you know, when one of the things I, I look at podcasts for, they're either going to provide me factual content and some really good information that goes deep in a short period of time, or more overarching. And uh, for the listeners that have not yet had the opportunity to listen to other podcasts, one of the things that they should understand is that this is meant to be an overarching look at chapters 14 through 28 in the book of Matthew. Obviously, we could spend a lifetime just discussing that, especially in 30-minute increments, right? Absolutely, especially as we're just now kicking off the men's Bible study and the women's Bible study focusing on the last half of Matthew. Yeah, definitely. So it ties together real nicely. So, but today we're going to just answer some basic questions so that it's kind of, you know, people think about 30,000 foot views and, and this is probably 30 to 50,000 foot view, right? That's just a lot. As I studied it, it's very intimidating. Um, first, just to do Bible study myself, then to think I have to talk to people about it and teach them. And uh, and then when you look at that much information, each each section was just overwhelming. That I felt the same way as I was reviewing it. It's, and it's interesting to see the way Matthew, it's so obvious to, that his Jewish background influenced the way he wrote the, his gospel. Five major subdivisions mirroring the five uh, original books of the Torah, and then the book ends with the Emmanuel, and then I'm with you to the end of the age at the very close as he gives this great commission. Yeah. See that people are going to hear the difference in our level of education biblically and theologically just just through our, our initial discussions because you're talking about it at that level and mine's going to be much more basic. So I think no matter who's listening, um, there's going to be application for them. So that's that's great to hear. So let's just get started. One of the things that um, we're doing is providing a little bit of a structure to everybody so that everybody has some consistency throughout the podcast. And so today we're first going to start off with the overall storyline of, of our half of the book. JB, what did you what would you call or how would you define the uh, the overarching storyline of this half of of Matthew? Well, it's interesting uh, as I was reading through this half of Matthew, uh, Jesus keeps referring to himself as the Son of Man. And as he's 
referring to himself in the third person, talking about the Son of Man, it's interesting to focus on what's that mean? You know, he actually surrendered that aspect of his divinity to live in human form and to go through all the things we go through as humans, to, to suffer, to grieve, to feel pain. And it, it just, it, it's, and he goes through the parables in greater depth at this point as he's instructing his disciples and viewing that uh, he also uh, expresses frustration with their lack of faith and their lack of dedication even though it's right there before them. It's kind of easy to Monday morning quarterback and say, wow, how could you not have more faith than you had? You saw him perform these miracles. You saw him do all these wondrous things. You heard him, and yet you didn't believe. In that context, that's where my description of it was, I wrote just simply seeing his humanity and his divinity. You know, here he is, as you said, you know, he's, he's the son of God. And he was experiencing pain, you know, um, when he finds out about John the Baptist, you know, his cousin, he loves him, finds out that he's been killed. And he had to, it wasn't like he said, okay, guys, pull up your bootstraps and let's buck on. He, He had to pull himself back and be alone. You know, in my own personal life, we're in the process of, um, going through the services, burying my mom. Um, tomorrow's her, uh, her viewing and Friday is her service. And, you know, she was a believer. So we rejoice in that, but there have been moments in the last week and a half where I'm honestly, I just want to be left alone. Um, not necessarily to grieve heavily, just to process. And I'm sitting there thinking about Jesus and his anticipation of, of, um, everything that he was getting ready to go through. But then there he is alone having to grieve the loss of his cousin. And so that's one of the things that I was impressed with, with, was that, um, as I looked at this half of the book, and that maybe this sounds kind of high schoolish, but I saw the first half of Matthew being kind of from the gender reveal, if you use today's terms, the gender reveal through high school, right? Um, it's like, it's going to be a boy, and he's going to be the son of God. And, um, and so you see them growing up, and you see him beginning his ministry. Um, and then it seems like, for me, as I as – I, again, look at it just from a, from a simple standpoint is, is then it's like he finishes college all the way through his final mission. And so that's why I think it's so important that people go into the Word of God and study it themselves because they might listen to a podcast and, and the last thing we would want is for anyone listening to think that they knew what they needed to know. Um, first of all, from us, uh, and not just not to be funny, but just from anybody else, all of us should feel compelled to read the, the Word of God ourselves. But there's just so much, and uh, and it's so rich with understanding who who Christ is. And so then I see, kind of one of the second things that I see is this pain of loss and frustration with disciples. Again, his humanity, even though he's divine, it's like at some point he's, come on guys, do you still don't get it? And he's engaging people that don't agree with him, and I don't do that well. I'll admit, just ask Sherry, my wife, she would probably agree. But then we also see his victory. Uh, victory through faith, and uh, and that's very encouraging. So, anything else that you want to add? Just talking about the overall storyline. Yes, it, uh, one thing that strikes me is the leadership component mm-hmm. and the leadership example that Jesus sets. It's servant leadership. It kind of sets the whole 
uh, notion of leadership on its head. It's leadership from behind. It's the first will be last, last will be first. And he draws a contrast at one point with the Jewish leaders that are openly wearing the phylacteries to show just how pious they were. Look at me. I've got scripture in this container, and I'm showing it openly so you can see how religious I am. And yet Jesus does the opposite. He came in, was born in a manger. He lives as a carpenter, and he's not in the higher rungs of royalty that the Jewish leaders were expecting. They were expecting a leader to come in triumphant and take over, kick the Romans out, and uh, create a Jewish state. Mm -hmm. And that's not what he was doing. And so it's easy to see from their perspective how they completely missed it. They were looking for a different kind of savior. Yeah. Is there any examples that you have maybe in your life where you see um, that that situation, people's expectations of you are one thing, but because of the way that Christ has impacted your life, it it flips and they get something else. Mine is typically they expect one thing and, and maybe I don't give them what they're expecting and it's not always positive, and those are where I fail. But there are times when I find myself almost surprised at my response, but then also recognizing, but for my relationship with Christ, I probably would have dealt with that differently. And a lot of times that comes through how I engage people in a difficult situation. I've come to believe that you can have very aggressive disagreements uh, without taking people out at the legs or hurting them. What about you? Anything like that that you can think of where you see almost that experience that the disciples had where they're expecting one thing, but then because of Jesus, either they or he responds differently other than that that example? Well, it may sound like a strange reference, but I often think of Garth Brooks. <laughs> and I thank God for unanswered prayers right. because we don't know what we need in our life. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important when we're praying to ask that his will be done because we don't know what's right for us. We don't know what's good for us. If we had our wants, we'd destroy our lives as so many of us have through the mistakes and the pains of growing in life. Mm-hmm. And the disciples were just perfect examples of this. And it's and that's why I think it's interesting when people talk about the Monday morning quarterbacking of the disciples. They were just us. Right. That's the funny thing is, you know, it's always interesting. We read scripture and we think, well, if they had done this and they had done that, and then I have to stop and think, well, <laughs> I would have been doing the same thing, you know, because because sometimes the the truth of Christ is there obvious in front of me, but I don't act on it. That's one of the things that maybe later on we'll discuss is, is the way that this has impacted us personally. Um, and definitely this study has impacted me in, in a number of different ways. So anything else in terms of the overall storyline that you want to kind of wrap up for our listeners well, I thought one thing that was interesting is I talked about the Jesus' own uh, way of referring to himself in the third person as the son of man. Mm-hmm. The Canaanite woman addressed him as the son of David, uh, drawing on his royalty and his birth line through the uh, royal line through David uh-huh. and demonstrating that fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. Right. And she wasn't even doing it on purpose, no. was she? You know, that, what I thought was interesting about that in particular is how did she know that? I have no you, idea. <laughs> well, see, I thought that you were going to answer that. Now, that's a question that I think everybody should have to go study now and find out how did she know that he was of the line of David? 
um, but for she had some type of knowledge of his of his family relationship. You know, it's it was interesting because that that jumped out at me. She's referring to him, yeah, as the son of David. So she either recognized his divinity and knew that it was that the Messiah was coming through the line of David, or she knew him personally, just in terms of family and and where he came from. Like that's Tom from San Antonio. Etc. So yeah, it's interesting. That could be a thesis, a doctoral thesis for a um, MDiv candidate, right? <laughs> well, we might expect that of some of the Jewish leaders. Yeah, you know, because they had so much of Scripture committed to memory, which right. is something that should be challenging for all of us. But she's not of that Mm-mm. group. No. So I wonder, you know, big air quotes on a podcast. How she knew that, maybe the Holy Spirit, huh? So as we wrap up that, let's let's kind of go towards more um, how this advances God's plan of redemption. Like how does how does the uh, end of Matthew um, advance God's story of redemption, and how do we see Jesus revealed in this book? Now, obviously, the the obvious is he's revealed, but in other areas of Scripture where Jesus is described, Counselor, past, you know, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Prince of Peace, how do we see him? revealed in this. Well, one of the revelations that I thought was interesting that we experience in our own lives is that he wasn't a prophet in his own town. Mm-hmm. And as we see him return to his community, the locals are saying, isn't that the carpenter's son? And they basically yeah. throw him out uh, on his ear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I uh, One of my uncles that's in town for uh, my mom's services, uh, he's done our genealogy back generations, uh, literally five, six great-grandfathers, levels of generations. And one of the things we started talking about was how we went about doing that. And at some point, it, it uh, bunny trailed off into a conversation about high school reunions. And that was one of the things I said is, I, I don't want to go. I went to my first high school reunion, and all I heard about was who I was. And it was a perfect example of who I was no longer. Um, because I wanted to talk about who I was in Christ, you know, not necessarily just be evangelical, but I was a different person. And that was before I knew Christ. And it was embarrassing for me to be recognized as anybody else, but who I was now, you know, what about you? Any experiences like that? I can totally relate to that. Um, I avoided all of my high school reunions, uh, for that (laughs) very reason, Yeah, because I don't want to be known by who I was that many years ago. Exactly. So in terms of you know, who who Jesus reveals himself, at, or not who he reveals himself as, but as he's revealed. Um, I just, I made a, so I like lists. I don't always abide by my list and I don't follow my outlines. Just ask anybody that has to interview me or do a podcast with me. I don't follow outlines well, but I saw him as teacher, pastor, counselor, healer, lamb or sacrifice, Messiah, and risen savior, victor. I mean, he went through the whole spectrum of who he reveals himself to be in other areas of Scripture and in the Messianic prophecies and just in all of Scripture being um, based in Christ. It's just like everybody who he is going to be, every form in which, or almost every form in which he's going to approach us in our personal life, he he showed himself to be. You know, So for me, right now, I felt like as a teacher, he was, I'm learning things, going through the things that we're experiencing with my family. Um, at the same time my mom's passed, my dad is getting ready to. He's in hospice and preparing to pass within days or weeks. And so all of this is happening, but at the same time, I also see God's plan being revealed in other areas. 
But I can tell you on a daily basis, Jesus is meeting me in my anxiety. He's meeting me in my pain and frustration and fear. He's meeting me in... Um, so he's he's a teacher. He's a pastor. He's praying alongside me, um, you know, presenting me to my to his father and and caring for me. Um, any of those, anything really strike you as you studied this half that said either this is a new way of seeing Jesus for me, or this is how I would apply it. You know, one or two of those examples, maybe. It's interesting that Jesus chose to speak. To his disciples in parables and to the multitudes in parables. Mm-hmm. This was something that the Jewish leaders couldn't understand, and he knew they couldn't understand it. And it's through the Holy Spirit that we're able to understand and apply those lessons. I know for me personally, as I read through parables I've read over and over and over again, I I think I see something new in them each time mm-hmm. and and can apply that to my life. And it may be something that on the surface seems very simple, but has a very deep meaning in it. Right, I think that's the thing for me too, is I agree with you, The it's the Holy Spirit working in God's word, whether it's through parables alone or, or just his word in general, how we can read the same scripture, but God speaks to us differently through it. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit, and he's speaking through his son, who's the word. And uh, that I agree with you, I think that that's what's amazing about um, even in this where each, here you're thinking like these are the all stars. They're the twelve. They're the starters for the for you know all of us. You know, and Jesus as they speak to him, as he speaks to them in parables, they don't understand. And you're thinking seriously, like we get it, but we have the benefit of having you know book after book after book and logos and you know powerful uh, computer software, to, and and they're just in a relationship. For me, that drives me back to my relationship, my need to understand what God is saying me, saying to me and not be confused, and that's based on, on relationship. Culturally, too, I thought it was interesting. During that time period, they didn't have the benefit of the written word. Everything was mouth to ear. Right. And so it was memorized and passed down. And I know there have been a lot of critics, secular critics, that like to throw stones and say, well, how could you, with any certainty... Uh, say that that's the Word of God, that that was what they actually wrote. And it's interesting as they discover uh, manuscripts that were buried, they're very close with just tiny little differences, usually punctuation or a word here or there, that they were so accurate in their repetition that the people who did actually write it out had a very accurate uh, account. Right largely because the Holy Spirit's providing that, but it still is incredibly impressive that the consistency. Yeah, absolutely. And it it certainly dispels those arguments against from the secular argument saying that that's not an accurate historical account. Yeah, exactly. Um, Any major themes that you see in this book as we're kind of getting preparing to land the plane, we're coming in on the airport, you know, for the podcast, Uh, any major themes that people might be expecting to see? Well, I think one of the most interesting things in Matthew for me is the very last couple of verses in the book, and that's the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. And this isn't suggestive. This isn't a what if. Jesus gave a command, and the command is has several components to it. He tells you to go. He tells you to make disciples. He tells us to teach, and then he assures us by telling us he's going to be with us always. Mm -hmm. 
So there's the other bookend to the Emmanuel, God is with us. And at the end, he reinforces that saying, I am with you to the end of the age. So we are to go to all nations and we are to baptize, we are to make disciples, we are to teach. Mm-hmm. And and nowhere in there is permissive language. This is all, these are a command. right? And this is what we as believers are supposed to carry out in, in our daily lives. And so it's a good prod for us when we want to sit back and say, well, I don't think I can share in this situation. I don't think it, it's a command. Yeah, absolutely. That's incredible. Yeah, I didn't ever, I, I mean, I studied the same thing that you did, right, and that everybody else does, and uh, and I just never saw it like that. But I appreciate your perspective on it. Uh, mine, I just, I saw, for mine was more of a personal application. It was almost like while I did this, I knew I had to do a podcast, but it was a personal devotional. And wow, coincidentally, God used that, you know. <laughs> Who would have thought that I would be doing this at a time when I needed it? Um, and of course, if you're on listening, you know I'm saying that sarcastically. Um, but I saw, you know, personal understanding and belief who in who Jesus is, recognition of the importance of learning, understanding, and applying Scripture. So that's that. That's the study part of it. And I, I see what you're saying in terms of the command, and and that's why I I see it parallel with what I wrote. Awareness there'll be enemies and challenges. Uh, you know, as they go out, they can't expect to just be warmly accepted when he wasn't. And then, and then praise and gratitude for Jesus, Messiah, risen Savior, knowing that he is with us and he's going to um, produce results where he sees fit. Um, I'm not responsible for determining what those results are going to be, you know, and oftentimes we go out and uh, like Dave says, you want to Babe Ruth it and we want to, we want to see the stadium full. We want to hear him chanting. Uh, We were watching football the other night and there's a certain um, really good quarterback that uh, I think everybody believes needs to re- go ahead and retire. And my uncle said, he goes, yeah, but he said, you imagine what that's like at 45 years old. You're going to give up, you know, 100,000 people chanting your, you know, chanting your name and cheering for you. And then he said, if only we could get people to do that for Christ. So anything else as we're getting ready to to close the, the podcast, any personal reflection, any personal question or or how is – uh, how has God used this study to impact you, JB? I think the most significant aspect is, is re- kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, that uh, we need to be Christ-like in the way we lead, and that is we need to lead from behind. We need to be servants. Mm-hmm. We need to take care of people, and people need to see Christ in our lives and how we treat others. And that's, that's a challenge for, for us daily because we're going to fail. Mm-hmm. We're human. Our whole society tells us we want to be the quarterback with everybody cheering for us. Instead, we need to be the example that's joyfully approaching uh, the task at hand so people can see that Christ is in our lives and that we're doing everything as unto him mm-hmm. as we approach our daily tasks. Yeah, for me, it was personal time, personal application, and personal transformation. And and I think it's personal time plus personal application equals personal transformation. I know I'm a believer. I, I have you know my faith in Christ, but I oftentimes let the world dictate what my mood's going to be, how I'm going to feel. And I've given control in some situations over to the forces outside of, of Christ. Uh, and I don't necessarily mean, you know, the opposite. I'm just saying... There's days that I wake up and I haven't set my mind on him. And as a result, my day results in what it would look like without Christ. 
And uh, whether it's my manner of speech or the way, just my overall attitude or the fact that I had to double up on my blood pressure medication that day, you know, all of that anxiety, stress, worry, fear, those types of things. So, well, JB, anything that you, you got to share before you, we close? It's really been fun uh, having this conversation. I'm looking forward to doing something off the podcast. Uh, I appreciate the, the depth of biblical knowledge that you provide in the background. That helps me. Uh, and I, I definitely appreciate how you've contributed today. Thank you, Tom. I really enjoyed this. It's been an educational experience, and it's been a pleasure. I've learned so much from your take and your insight into this and your example. I am so sorry for your loss. I lost both of my parents under similar uh, – both were 89 when they passed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know how difficult that can be. But I see the confidence and insurance in you, knowing that they were saved, it's – it's a mixed blessing. You're happy for them. You know that they're uh, that they're saved, but you grieve for yourself for the loss of that contact. So, I just pray for peace and comfort for you as you're going through this, but also celebrate with you, knowing that that they're with Jesus. Yeah, thank you. But yeah, my mom insisted no black suits. She wants colors. So, we are going to have. Very colorful uh, services tomorrow. Hey, so thanks for listening today. Next month, we're going to be featuring the first half of the book of Mark. That's chapters 1 through chapter 8, verse 30. And that's going to be done with Belinda Dunn and Carlton Triplett. We know that you're going to enjoy that time, and uh, we hope that this time has impacted you. For J.B. Clarkson and me, Tom Tobin, lay leaders here at Hillside Fellowship, you guys have a blessed week. 